Blog Talk Radio. Sure. 
We'll talk a little bit about uh, what's next for both fighters, Gervonta Davis and Ryan Garcia. Obviously, Gervonta, his next date uh, with an opponent, you know, we know it's a little different, right? It's it's in the court of law, so we'll see how that goes. But um, hopefully, you know, it is what it is what's going to happen there. You know, he may have to sit down for a little bit. Maybe it'll be a, a workhouse scenario. Maybe it'll be – I don't know. I have no clue. I have no clue. Um, so we'll see, though. We'll see where that goes. But I'm assuming in the fall, maybe even December – well, I don't know if they get that heavyweight stuff figured out. Maybe it won't be December, but he'll be back more than likely this year. Um, and he's already fought twice, so even if he has to wait to the fall, I don't think that's a big deal. Who will he fight? Obviously, uh, you know, when you see numbers like this, you know, Davis and Garcia, at some point, they're probably going to have a rematch, you know, at some point. Um but, yeah, um, like how Garcia is saying, I got to pile up some wins, and hopefully in the future we can have it again, not just like let's run it back. That was bullshit, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Um, but obviously, you know, um, Isak Cruz rematch now is that much bigger. I mean, Cruz is a big name in his community. People know him, and they already fought, and it was a competitive-ass fight. Uh, people will make the debates and arguments and the word of mouth stuff about, oh, he probably he probably beat Tank. He's the only guy that pushed it, you know, pushed the pressure on Tank and all that, like ongoingly, um, and had success and all that. Um, even though you know, Rowley and others did too. I think Garcia had a little success anyway, but that's that's there. I mean, that's there. And don't let that be another good fight because that's probably a trilogy as much as people may not want to hear that. But Isak Cruz is definitely realistic, and I'm talking about realistic as well. So we'll talk about that. Will it, would it, you know, could it be Frank Martin? If Devin Haney gets by Loma, he'll be a free agent. Um, Teofimo Lopez, man. Right now, fuck that guy. I just, wow. Seriously? Seriously, that this man, some of the clips that just came out of his camp. Anyway, we'll talk about it all in just a second. Um, hope everybody had a good weekend. Like I said, I know I did, man. That was a fun, fun weekend in the sport. And uh, yeah, I mean, I man, that that was uh, that was some good stuff. That was some really good stuff. I'm actually having a little bit of. Hang on, just give me a second. Something's going on. Just give me a second. Once you become the world champion, I believe that you feel you have the upper hand. So now, when as you fight, let's say you fight four fights. All right. Sorry, I had to do that. I had to do that. I was I was having a little issue there. I was having a little issue there. I think we're good to go now. Yeah, we're fine. We're fine. Anyway, we're going to get into it all. I see John in the fold here. We're going to talk to him in just a second. If this is your first time listening to the Rope and Dope Radio Podcast. Welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope Dope Radio. However, you don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope and Dope and download the show there. You can find the Rope and Dope Radio um, platform on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, uh, Player FM, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spricker, Stitcher, and a host of other places. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegrillingtruth.com. Phil Boxing and Eastside Boxing as well. And one more thing, get your TV together without the hassle of cable. 
DirecTV Stream. Stream the best entertainment in sports, starting with 75 live channels. For a limited time, save $120 over your first year with any package and buy the DirecTV uh, streaming device. No annual contracts, no hidden fees, plus learn how to get premium channels included for the first three months with qualifying packages. Sign up today, DirecTV Stream. Okay, I just got some messages saying there was a little issue now, but they most people are saying they can hear me. So I, I'm not sure what exactly happened, but it seems like the Internet's good to go and all that. We're, we're, we don't, I don't think we have an issue there. So, uh, But let me know if you can't hear me. Um, and I appreciate you guys for, you know, updating me on that type of stuff because, um, you know, it, it's very helpful. It's very helpful. Sometimes I get distracted at the messages, as you guys know, but that's part of it. Anyway, um, man almighty, what a weekend we had. That was a great weekend. Like I said, the, the afternoon um, matinee, <laughs> how it used to be called back in the day, the matinee was – you could make an argument that's the fight of the year. I mean, you definitely could. It was a great fight, had a funky scorecard, but a great fight. And it'll be interesting to see, speaking of, where Cordino will go next. Uh, got some fresh blood at 130. And uh, hopefully they can make those fights. The money's not crazy with those guys. Um, so hopefully they can get those fights made. But what we're really here, uh, and by the way, for the first part of that fight, real quick, stay out of the TV frame, dude. Stay out of the camera lens, referee. What the fuck was that, dude? That ref always gets in the way of the – he's always walking right into the frame, like, constantly. Like, he's got a – you know, how many times can I walk into a frame deal with somebody? You know, it's just like, what do you – stop walking into the frame, dude. Yeah, that uh, that was wild, man. That 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 guy always gets me. I I forgot his name, the ref there. Someone help me out from the UK or, or you know just in general. But uh, <laughs> that just that that just drives me crazy. But anyway, I'm gonna go ahead and bring in basically the co-host, if we're being honest, right? I'm gonna bring in John here, and we're gonna talk about the fight, and then after we'll talk about these numbers. And you know, when sports business. When the when the, when these major sport business outlets are reporting it ahead of the boxing people, you know these numbers are something you can trust a lot more than what we usually get. Okay, um, I know Glazier is trying to uh, undercut it already. He's already done that. But yeah, like I said earlier, I'm I'm blown away by the numbers. And like I said, we'll get into that in just a short little bit. Um, but we're going to talk about the fight, and we're going to talk about, you know, what, what's in the future and whatnot. Let's go ahead and bring in John into the frame. What's going on, John? How are you doing Chris, on this uh, Wednesday how's it going? afternoon? You had me chuckle, chuckling. Uh, I appreciate the reference to almost the co-host here, so uh, especially on a big <laughs> boxing re- recap Wednesday. So I appreciate that. Yeah, man. I mean, you basically are. You basically are. So, um, man, uh, what a great weekend. Like I said, to have that matinee, that was basically, you know, the, there was the, the opening fight was a good fight. Like, you know, obviously we did get some rounds for Elijah Garcia. So that was a really good, like, okay, this is a good prospect fight. 
This guy's trying to become a contender. That was a legit fight. At least David Morrell gave us some highlight reel. Um, but the undercard was really during the day, uh, you know, from the UK. But overall, how was your weekend? And let's, uh, you know, jump into this uh, Gervonta Davis-Ryan Garcia fight. And then, like I said, we'll get outside the ring after we, we break down the action, what happened in, inside the ring. Yeah, it was a, it was a fun, stressful week, weekend for me personally because, um, of course, the big fight weekend, and I agree with you, Chris. I, I was, I, I'd mentioned this before, but I was laughing at myself a little bit today because, you know, I didn't initially where you had to pay for another subscription, you know, and, and we've been through this over the years, but I wasn't really crazy for that reason for DAZN getting into the game initially, and they were claiming, you know, that they were going to be the death of pay-per-view, and that ended up being a joke, you know, we – Nobody really bought into that, and it wasn't true. But the part where I was laughing at myself is, you know, it's funny in life how that can happen. My intent of signing up for DAZN initially wasn't to be watching British cards on Saturday afternoons, but it's been years now, and it's it has become part of, you know, kind of my boxing routine. And, you know, if you're a little bit older, it reminds you of the old days of when you had the Saturday afternoon fights because the British main events usually started, you know, between 5.30 and 6. And on the East Coast, in those glory days, a lot of OGs like to refer to, that's when those ABC, CBS, NBC network fights were coming on. So, you know, Cordina, I'm getting to the Cordina Rakimov. I mean, that was a great fight. You know, like you said, uh, um, definitely fight of the year contender. You know, tweeted that out, no doubt about it. And this one, everybody seems to agree, and I do it. You know, that one scorecard was whacked. I mean, uh, you know, great fight, fight of the year contender. We'll see all what the contenders are at the end of the year. But no way to me Rakimov won that fight. I mean, he gave it a good effort. He was tough, fight of the year fight. But, you know, I couldn't see that card. Um, you know, Cordina was definitely in jeopardy at some times. It had the swings of a fight of the year. I mean, that, that had the back and forth kind of swings of a fight of the year type of fight. And like you said, um, in terms of competition, that kind of ended up being like the, the undercard for the day. Now, the rest of that card wasn't very good. Let's, let's, let's be fair. Uh, we're, we're a lot of time wasters on there. But that, that main event delivered, and uh, that, that was definitely a fight of the year uh, candidate. You know, Cordina, for an advanced age, for a 130 guy who, what, that's only his 15th fight as a pro, it brings a lot of speed and skill to the table. And as he said himself, uh, at, at moments it didn't look like the best strategy, but he, he proved it because he did it throughout the fight. That there were moments he just decided he wanted to stand there with Rakamov and made for an entertaining fight. I think that was also the strategic. He was hiding it that he made the determination early on. He couldn't move around the guy uh, for the full 12, and the guy does have a good body attack. Um, he did prove that in this fight, you know, he landed some good body shots in other fights, but I was like, well, you know, the guy does some things well, but not that great. But he landed a lot of good body shots in the fight and Cordina was able to withstand them. And, you know, Cordina came back and hurt Rakamov on, on quite a few occasions. Um, great, great fight though. That, that was a, that was a good start to the day. And especially because the, you know, the undercard on the main event, um, wasn't the greatest, but I did catch the YouTube a card as well. And what I was saying for me personally, 
was strange. No need to get into it much, but things worked out where I was on. I, I like to run marathons uh, in recent years, and I was on the wait list for Jersey City, so I didn't think I was going to be able to run it. I was number 512, and I signed up for the Athens-Ohio Marathon the week before, and I got into Jersey City two days before Athens. So I was on my second of back-to-back marathons, and because of how early I had to get to Jersey City, it, but, I want, but I wanted to sleep. I was not going to not sleep. I was actually, like, sleeping at moments through the day and then, like, got up, like, when Tank Garcia was going and then had to head for Jersey City because I wasn't staying in the hotel right after that. And I, had to, I had to get a garage spot and park. And, yeah, and that sounds up. stressful. Yeah. I so, didn't realize yeah. there's waiting lists to get on to, to run a marathon. That's crazy. I wasn't expecting it, Chris. And Jersey City, it was the inaugural event, and it was a great event. I want to compliment them. And, of course, right across the Hudson from New York, so it's a big population area. So if people are wondering that they're not familiar with it. But the first one, I thought, no way. I had read about it right when they were starting it and being from Jersey, and the ancestors got off the boat around there before they went over to Clifton and Garfield, New Jersey, on each side of the family, which is only a couple miles away. So I thought, yeah, this will be cool. You know, you run by the Statue of Liberty, Ellis Island. And when I went to sign up, it was already booked. I was like, you got to be kidding me. The first time they're ever having it, and it's booked up. And it was 6,000 entries, I think, at that point. And then so I, I said, all right, I'll go on the wait list, 512, I'll never get in. And then all of a sudden <laughs> – so I wanted to run another marathon, so I signed up for it. Then two days before that one in Ohio, I get the I get the email from Jersey City that I'm in, but I got to accept it in 24 hours. So I said, back-to-back marathons? And I said, I'll, I'll, I'll try it. But, uh, yeah, it was stressful with the following, the boxing, and just the anxiety of the marathons, but, but kind of an exciting stressful. Uh, so the whole day was like that for me. So it was kind of a, kind of a memorable day, and it was kind of surreal, you know, the tank, Garcia ending up, and then I was just going to be heading down to Jersey Jersey City, but I did I did catch sleep throughout, so uh, kind of a kind of a wild day for me personally too. But yeah, that was my take on the matinee. Not much else to talk about except I did love the Cordina Rockamore fight. It totally delivered, and and the, the zone's kind of fighting it, finding a weird niche. For me, like it definitely wasn't my intent. Right. I don't really like paying for it, but it, I, I kind of reluctantly have to say, even though that's not what it was all about starting out, it, it's kind of found that niche. You know, you could catch a stream in the past, but it's not quite the same. So you're watching it yeah. with the better picture and the you know coverage and everything. So it's 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 kind of fit for me for that, even though that was not the original intent of getting it. And then going forward, I, I did catch the. PBC undercard YouTube fights as well. Um, Neil Nicky uh, f- fought one of them, and Sherkazian uh, sure, sure uh, fought the other. Yeah, you're right, and, and and we'll talk about some of that undercard, but um, let's get in the ring uh, when it comes to Davis and Garcia because Garcia came out, you know, throwing that jab fairly well. He threw more punches uh, than Tank, which isn't saying much, obviously. Tank did land a, a decent jab and a nice left to the body to kind of close out round one. And then um, some left hands, uh, some right and left hands, I think it started with the right, landed early uh, for, for Ryan Garcia. And 
there was also some rough stuff. And I, I, two things that Gervonta did, one, he was on the move more than he normally would in that scenario. He was really moving or he was, you know, uh, clinching. And so I thought it woke him up. I don't think, I don't think he was hurt, hurt because, you know, he could move. You, you see his legs weren't wobbly or anything like that, but I did think he made a mistake in that clinch while he was clinched. Um, he was kind of reaching out too far for the clinch instead of closing the gap and having a clinch on one of them, especially. And he looked to the ref and he got clocked again with the two shot. And I was like, okay, well, you got to be a little more careful than that. But um, then, you know, and I think he even landed like, I think Garcia landed like an uppercut and some hooks in there. He got some good work off. That was definitely his, uh, you know, best uh, string of punches. Rather, you know, he did get that later in the fight. He got those right hands. I think it was the sixth round or whatever. We'll talk about that. But then all of a sudden, the left-hand counter, um, Garcia ducking under. Um, I see people saying it was like the the no-look left hook. Uh, from the the special from Danny Garcia. If you see the other angle behind Garcia, you can see that Tank's left eye is focused on the target. That was definitely not, I'm just going to throw my left hook. That was timed perfectly, ducked under, hit him with it, dropped him pretty hard as far as the actual, you know, knockdown. Um, to, to Ryan's credit, he popped up pretty quick. Um, and right then and there, you had an opening round where Ryan Garcia won it, and then he was doing pretty damn good um, in the second round until he got caught. Now, the 10-10 scorecard is just ridiculous. I understand the 10-9. I don't – I still think the best punch landed to win the round was probably Tank uh, with the left hand because look what it did. But I can understand a 10-9, um, and I'm not afraid of scoring a 10-9 with a knockdown. But it, to me, t- the 10-10, I don't know what the hell was going on with that. I mean, that was that was crazy. But even the 10-9 for both of them, you don't see it a ton, but I'm okay with it to an extent. I, I would like it to be a little bit more consistent with those. Because, um, I, like I said, I'm not afraid. But then again, I'm not afraid of, you know, 10-10 rounds in general without knockdowns and stuff like that. But um, those first two rounds uh, before Tank took control of the fight, what do you think, uh, just in general, kind of breaking down that, that opening action, that you can go, you know, from there? I felt like, you know, even though Garcia in the first was more of what we would have wanted him to do going out, you know, I lean towards him. I'm not going to run from it. I, I felt like, for me, the fight could go either way, even though Tank was a solid favorite. But I, I, I just thought this is one where size might matter. You know, you, you had not a lot of that in the first, but maybe a little. But, you know, the, the scenario for Tank and the bad scenario for Ryan Garcia happened right in that second round. I mean, and I agree with you, you know, that, would, that wasn't something going in. I mean, if certainly people who picked Tank thought that could happen and I was finding it a close call leaning Garcia and I thought it could happen. That was Garcia's bad scenario. So yeah, you're not looking at that as a lucky shot for tank or anything like that with his punching power and the style he's been fighting 
in fights, relying on his power, kind of getting to be a unique style, relying on his power using low volume punching, but but combined with boxing skill, you know, not like a crude puncher who's just like wading forward or something trying to land one bomb uh, or laying back trying to land one bomb. I mean, he's doing it in a different way. You know, Garcia, you know, because anybody that had some reservations about Ryan Garcia, reasonable reservations, at least they were taking some of them from getting dropped by Luke Campbell, who's not a big puncher. And let's face it, you know, Javante Davis is a huge puncher. So, you know, Luke Campbell, not a big puncher, and Javante Davis is a huge puncher. Now, I agree with you, Chris. You know, when Garcia went down in the second, he didn't really look that badly hurt. He was himself comparing to the Campbell fight. And if you just had the look of that, yes. But, you know, Davis is such a so much more of a big puncher than Luke Campbell. And that was Garcia's nightmare scenario in this fight, you know, the chin up. I mean, it was just like what we talked about was the one thing he had to avoid, you know, the chin up with Tank just looking to counter you with the power shot or even just get it in and then just getting it in right on the button. And, and you know, like you said, dropping him heavily, it, it was, he looked like he came up okay, but it wasn't a flash knockdown either. So uh, that, at that point to me, was like, yeah, this is this is the worst start except for just being counted out that we could have gotten from Ryan Garcia. Cause that was only the second round in that was a bad scenario for him. And then the other scenario that became bad for him, I don't think it was probably just from getting caught. Um, I, I see guys saying this now, you know, and, and com- people who commentate like to me a little bit after the fact, like, you know, they were saying a little before, but I don't know how you could know that I'm still going to see that say that even, you know, three days after the fight where Garcia ended up being a loser. You know, I don't see how going into that fight with his amateur pedigree and being undefeated with a high KO percentage, you know, you could say, like, I just didn't think Ryan Garcia had the skill level. I mean, I I know it kind of came out that way, but but what I'm saying there is I I, I think based on his background, and he even had a better – amateur pedigree than tank i'm not saying this is the amateurs but you know it is a fact like i you would have thought with his size that ryan garcia could have kept this thing on the outside and controlled some more especially with tanks low punch output which didn't change and he wasn't able to do that in this fight he ended up not throwing either and that certainly wasn't something to me i was expecting going in yeah, and uh, what did you how how would you score that second then? And oh, by yeah, the way, we do it. have someone in the in the whole time. I'll I'll get with you in just a second, just so you guys know. Um, so how would you score that round then? Was that well, a ten yeah, eight or ten nine? I mean, you know, I I was really like ten eight, even though I was going back to like, you know, I think we need to go back to you, you know, you and I have been talking about this and you're exactly on point with it, with what we've talked about too. I actually think we do need to go back more to like the late seventies and then in the eighties. And it's funny because these things never changed like officially. It's just the way people started talking about it and the custom and the habit. We need more order. Like it's what you said, like all of a sudden I'm with you where I had a problem with it, even though I think we should do it 
and I don't, I don't agree with the 10-10, but if you wanted to do the 10-9, I mean, that used to happen all the time. In yeah. Like, and so I mentioned this a few weeks ago, like in the late 70s, in the 80s, like, you know, if the other guy dominates the round and there's a flash knockdown and some of these knockdowns we've had in recent years, and this is where it's become asinine, where you got boxing geeks studying the videotape or even commentators saying, oh, that looks like his knee touched. That should have been a 10-8. Well, if we can't even tell if it's a knockdown or not with our naked eyes, I mean, and then the other guy wins the rest of the round, that shouldn't be a 10-8. But this wasn't that. Like, this was a totally clear, legit knockdown. So I I couldn't see a 10-10 in the era we're in and and probably even in the past eras. But I think it's just what you said. I would be – I'm, like, in favor of two things from the old days, not just because they were old, but I think for the 10-point must system – the way it works in boxing, there are better ways of doing it would be more even rounds. Like if you have a round where neither guy's landing much in these low volume right. fights, nobody should get it. I mean, that's not fair at the end when somebody's getting clear rounds and then those rounds are 10, nine also, you know what I mean? Right. And also yeah, it should be awarded. Knockdowns, right. And then also the knockdown situations where you got like a flash knockdown and the guy that got dropped dominated the rest of the round or even if he didn't, that you get these real flash knockdowns where we can barely tell, you know, if the guy's knee touched or they're saying, like, he touched the ropes, and then a guy gets dropped with a bomb and gets up, and those are both 10 No. You know, that, that's totally something different. So I think, it, I think we should get back to a little bit more the way we were handling the 10-point must, but I agree 100% with your point. What caught me off guard seeing scorecards Saturday night after the fight was just exactly the way you look at it. I'm like, whoa, I'm all in favor of getting back to the late 70s, 80s use of the 10-point must, but we haven't been doing that, and all of a sudden in, in the yeah, biggest the timing fight of the was year, suspect. Yeah. The timing was the suspect. Biggest fight, the biggest fight of the year with experienced judges, all of a sudden that comes back into play? Like, I, I'm with Clearly you. Like, I don't, he landed the best punch of the round. You know, right? Not just yeah, the best I mean, punch, like, but it scored a knockdown. So it's like, right. Well, that's enough for me to give him the round. You know? Yeah. Like I don't get where, I don't get where all of a sudden, like, like you know, where was the memo when we're going back to that? I'm in favor of it, but it's just what you said. It's got to be consistent. Like, if we're going to go back to, I would be in favor of going back to more even rounds, and not having all knockdowns treated the same for the ten eight. Um, you know, depending on who else was dominating the round and, and how, you know, how decisive was the knockdown, you know, if, if there's not a better term for that. So I'm in favor of doing that, but it shouldn't just pop right. up in the biggest fight of the year when, let's face it, in 95% of the fights or more, nobody's been doing that for the last 30 years. I mean, I'll go back that far. I mean, there's really it hasn't been used that way for 30 years, so – yeah, let's 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 get the commissions, the bigger commissions, you know, like Nevada, California, New York, in the U.S. You know, you can't go with the alphabets; they're corrupt. So, you know, they're going to have to take the lead for that type of thing. You know, the British Board of Boxing Control, and you know, in the U.K., things like that, and say, hey, here's here's how we want you to do it, and you know, let's let's start getting consistent and do it that way. Like you and I had talked in the late '80s, New York on their own tried to. Because this would be another way of using the 10-point must, which it's never really been done. But they were trying to, to start a little bit of that where, like, for example, 
you would use the 10-point must to the degree of how somebody dominated the round. Like, there's no knockdowns, and you, you award, like, a 10-7 if one guy just, like, won the round that clearly. You know what I mean? And then if it was a close round, it would be a 10-9. But that never caught on, and they dropped it. So right. they were doing that during Duran Barkley, and people don't in the historical reference mention that, and I think it needs to be. So, you know, when you're watching Duran Barkley, really now we look back more than 30 years later, one of the most memorable fights of all time in the, the great Duran comeback. But that was when they were using the 10-point must like that. Now, I, that, that was in Atlantic City, but the, but that was where there, there was some, some – use of the 10 point must was being pushed like that during that time. That was during that time period. So, um, right. And just so I, you yeah. know that the, the person on hold, just let us get through this recap and I'll go right to you. Um, so three, four and five after that, I gave to Davis Gervonta or I shouldn't say Gervonta Garcia was not jabbing enough and he wasn't landing a whole lot. And it was really just the cleaner shots on Gervonta's uh, side of it, he would land a jab. Uh, he would land a left hook or a left hand, straight left hand. He was landing nice left hands to the body, which obviously, you know, was a start to his ending. A few right hands maybe in the fourth, but, I mean, it was all of a sudden turning into a, that skill fest in the middle of the ring where, where he bat, uh Gervonta wasn't getting backed up, and I thought, if he's already at this range, that's that's trouble because he's closing the gap and then getting at the end of the pocket, then closing the gap, getting at the end of the pocket, and just picking his shots, lead left hands, counter left body shots, where, you know, Garcia was literally one punch at a time, and then he was really, he was bracing himself for shots. That's when I knew that was going to be trouble, too. And when he turned his back bracing for a body shot or a shot in general in the fifth round, I was like, oh, boy, I think that was the fifth round. Now, the I'll, I'll give him credit for the sixth round. You could have given them that round, uh, Ryan, because he did land like maybe 60 seconds in or so. He landed some really nice right hands. He followed them up with left hooks. Um, Davis did kind of, you know, get him off the ropes and stuff, land some good stuff. It was a two-way round. It was his best round since the, the second round, that's for sure. And then, obviously, um, you know, the seventh round, jabs, uh, left hooks, um, just kind of doing his thing uh, um, was Gervonta. Big right hand. Uh, Garcia did land a nice shot, but that, once again, caught him overextending ducked under, and it, it was a lot quicker and compact, this one, not to say that the first one wasn't, but when he landed, and when you hear the mic pick up that sound of the land, uh, and yeah. you, you see Garcia kind of try to get his legs back in the position, in his feet, you know, and he was like, whoa, and he, he was like, he reacted to, and if you see the other angle, you see Gervonta go, gotcha, basically, like he gave him the, uh-huh, you know, and then Ryan backed up a little bit, and then it was done. And I did actually think that he was just waiting for him to get to eight or nine. It looked like it, the way he was looking at the ref, it looked like he was going to get up, but he didn't get up. So obviously, we go right into the, well, he quit like everybody's uh, Gotti or something like that. Everyone's got to take punishment like Gotti, or you're just uh, uh, a pussy. You know, that's basically what a lot of people say and stuff like that. It's like, dude, there's yeah. just not – 
everyone's got to be a Jake LaMotta, you know, and it's like not everybody on this earth, like most, the, the vast majority, you know, 99.99999 repeating are not Jake LaMotta, okay? Um, but people can think of that, you know, stoppage however they want, not the stoppage, but him stopping himself. Um, but it, the way it sounded and where it landed, and especially in mid-punch, you know, it, it, it was a nasty shot once again. And like I said, the, the caller, we're going to get – I'm going to let John give his take, and then we'll, uh, we'll go to you. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You know, I don't go too much – I like to kind of go on my what I see live, but when I agree with you, Chris. It did the other day when I was watching the replay of the knockout, that, that sound jumped out at me. I mean, you know, on that replay, you can hear that shot. Um, I mean, and when you could hear a shot, um, you know, my, yeah, my initial instinct thought. was like you. I, I thought he might get up, but, but my initial instinct wasn't that he quit. Um, but then, you know, I, I'm with you, like, and, you know, somebody I respect a lot. I just had a debate right before the show started with coincidental coincidental timing, but, um, you know, actually Pedro Fernandez, the old great writer, he's done a lot of announcing and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I think it's all respect, but I, I knew that Pedro, because I've been reading his stuff since the late eighties and I always agreed with him. He, he would point out a lot of the flaws of Chavez and he had put something up where he said, Chavez says that Ryan Garcia quit. And I said, well, how about Chavez against Randall in the second fight when we see him right on tape saying he doesn't right. want to go on? And he, gets and he said the punch didn't his... even land. It's like, well, yeah. hold on now. What do you mean the right. punch didn't land? You know, Just because you didn't right. see it live, right? A lot of people didn't see it live. I get that part, but to say it didn't land. Right. And then Chavez, you know, he was older, but he quit in the second the La Jolla fight. Again, right on tape. I mean, just go watch the videos of these. So, you know... Look, it's Julio And that's Cesar. okay. And that's okay. <laughs> right. Right. I'm saying it's right. It's Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. And I'm not saying Ryan Garcia's had his career or anything, but my point was that I was pointing out to Pedro was like, look, Chavez quit. So, you know, we don't – I think my – I don't think he quit that night was my initial instinct, but now I see fighters like you know, Andy Ruiz saying that Ryan Garcia quit and Bellu and Danny Garcia and – Look, it doesn't mean that that's the final word. That's not what I'm saying either. But I think I'll just say this. My initial instinct wasn't that he quit. You could hear the shot. Uh, he got up from the first knockdown. But I think this is more of a, you know, I, I've learned this as you get more experience in life and you get older. You know, sometimes you just also got to have more information. Like, in other words, it, it could be, you know, then it got me thinking a little bit in those people's arguments, favor, like, well, Canelo was saying, you know, Ryan Garcia wasn't getting, you know, this is looking back, but you got to piece together the information. You know, he, he didn't come to the gym and he didn't want to do stuff and things like that when he was with Reynoso. And I was thinking Louise was there during that period, but I'm still not going to make that the conclusion either. I, I think, you know, look, we might just have to see, I think I'm with you, Chris. I mean, tanks, you know, you can't, I mean, with the knockout percentage that tank has, I mean, you can't say a guy right now getting hit by Tank, you know, look, you know, this is something that really did happen, and, and we were all wondering, you know, like this is kind of in a way, is even with his history, it's a bit of an example. Like when Galata, you know, 
didn't want to go on after he got dropped by a total bomb by Tyson. I mean, Galata turned out actually to have a fractured vertebrae after that from that shot. I mean, I, I believe that is something that's factual. So, you know, you're saying just like that gets to your point, like, oh, the guy, you know, Galato, head case, and, you know, not saying he didn't have those moments, but, I mean, the, the guy got hit by Mike Tyson and had a fractured vertebrae. You know, maybe, may, you know, he could feel that you can't. So, um I'm saying in this, look, I didn't, my initial instinct on this particular one with a puncher like Tank wasn't that Ryan quit, but let, let's see, you know, let's, even though it'll be different fights, let's see yeah, how yeah. his career plays out. You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. look, I'm going to, I'm going to reserve judgment. But we've seen like, Tank make other people quit too, you know? Right, yeah. I mean, we've seen Tank knocking people out. I mean, and you know, he's knocked just about everybody out. Um, let's, I'm kind of saying, like, let, let's wait and see how Ryan Garcia's career plays out a little further. I mean, you know, if, if he mentally unravels in some other fights or something like that, you know, maybe we go back and take right. a look at this. But, Tank, but Tank's too big of a puncher. I'm not going to say here on, you know, April 26th that Ryan Garcia is a quitter and he quit on that shot. Even with what I saw, I, I, you can't say that with that kind of a body shot because, there's one thing about that type of a body shot too, and even all these guys are you know, fighters saying it, but we know this, and we saw it in the Jason Rosario Jermel Charlo fight. Even though right, Rosario exactly. doesn't take take that great of a headshot, but this was a body shot. I mean, when the wind gets knocked out of you, I don't care if it's football, boxing, or whatever. It's not a long period. It's not a long period, but you can't do anything. You can't operate. You can't you operate. You can't operate, right. And, and that's why I, I question some people who say, oh, I don't like, hey, you know, if you know, if, you, if you've ever been in contact thing and you get the wind knocked out of you, you it's, it's, it's short, but you can't do anything. You can't operate, like you said. So, you know, he gets hit with a, from a huge puncher with a body shot like that. And I was trying to think back to who said it, but, you know, it's, it's playing out to kind of, like, not be that much of an exaggeration. Somebody a few years ago was sparring with Tank, and and he was saying like, you know, this guy hits like a light heavyweight or a cruiserweight, and it was a bigger guy, you know, it was a bigger guy sparring with Tank, getting ready for something, and he was like, this dude hits like a like a like a light heavier a cruiser. This this guy, I think you know what? Now that I think about it, I think it might have. It sounds funny, but. I'd have to go back. It might have been David Benavides or somebody like that, you know? Yeah. Like it was a big it yeah, Porter, it was a big too. Guy. Porter has said stuff like that, too. Maybe it was Porter. Yeah, it was, a, it was like a bigger guy. Maybe it was Porter. Maybe it was – but somebody who would – you know, was in – But even as a kid, was, when you see him punching as a kid, you know he's got power. Yeah, so he, he's got power. I mean, when a guy can re- – I mean, I, I would say it's just an in-the-ring comparison for me because, you know, I, I didn't think it was a lazy comparison because the way the guy's careers turned out. But when I saw Tank starting to knock out some of these guys, and, you know, he's a southpaw, but, like, I was like, this, this, he reminds you of, like, a Tyson, like a smaller Tyson. And now it's kind of amazing because even though there's, of course, stylistic differences, but there's some similarities in that sense. But, but here's the thing that's amazing with what Tank's doing is, you know, Mike Tyson was a heavyweight. I mean, Tank fought at 130 and 135, 136 pounds, you know, fight at 140. Right. He's not a heavyweight, and he's knocking guys out like this. I mean, that doesn't happen even at, like, lightweight. You know, you don't have – you know, 
You get guys like Roberto Duran. It's not a, it's not that common. I mean, you know, you have some oh, yeah, right. great all time punchers, but you know, so like like for a lightweight to be able to rely on one shot, and he's doing that in these fights. It's pretty extra. It's you know, it's pretty extraordinary. So it's really extraordinary punching power that Tank's displayed. He's displayed that here. Um, so I'm going to have to, with the Ryan Garcia thing, I'm going to have to see because, you know, he was undefeated. Tank's knocking everybody out. I just think it's a, we're going to have to see. I, I'm not, I'm not saying he quit today. I'm going to wait on that. And also with Tank knocking everybody out with the kind of power he's showing, you know, we got to see, we got to see what Garcia does after this, what Tank does after this before I think we pass a final judgment exactly on, on what happened here. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I'm just going to, Mute you for a second, and it's a private number, so I'm going to trust you, but I'm going to go ahead and bring in the caller on hold. You're live on Ropa Dove Radio. What's going on? Uh, not much. Just sitting here listening to you guys, man. Uh, entertaining conversation. Uh, how about we, we split the difference and say, instead of quit, we say couldn't continue. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm there with you go. guys. I'm, I'm not willing to call yep. a guy quitting. Like, this is, this is a weird scenario. But I got two questions for you guys that I kind of want to hear uh, your opinions on, uh, just about, sure. you know, mostly about Ryan. So the first thing is the social media situation where he, he's all with Tank and this big influencer who's clearly on Tank's side. And they talk him into this ridiculous idea of winner take all. Uh, the loser gets no purse, which I, I think nobody would actually agree to in legal terms, which would right. really be like some binding thing that actually happens. But his inability to say no gave me some pause on picking him for the fight. I, I wanted to get your opinion on that. And then the second thing would be, who is Ryan fighting for when we consider the tradition and the impact that Mexican pressure fighters have had on boxing and that fan base for all of these decades. Like, can you have that moment and retain that fan base or gain that fan base's favor? Look how long it took Oscar to really get that base behind him and and embrace him in a meaningful way. So I just wanted to hear you guys on those two things. But, man, great show. And and that scoring thing y'all talked about, beautiful, beautiful. I agree 100%. But thanks for the time, brother. Wild stuff. Wasn't that just wild, like, 10-9 now? Like, if you want to do it, that's cool, but can't we see a little more consistency with it? Yeah. Yeah. So the first question was uh, the, the, the putting up the, the money for the – and that we hear that a couple times a year where people, I'll bet my purse on. But we also hear stuff like um, – we also hear stuff like, uh, you know, they should just uh, – you know, the winner takes, not just takes all, but like half the purses and then the other half they just get, you know, like the winner gets it. But then if he got screwed on the cards, that would be bullshit. I do like how the WBC, I think it's the WBC, will do that last 10% to the winner. I think that's pretty cool, but that's in a certain, you know, situation. But yeah, I think that you're right to, to, to go that far with it. I think it was just, Obviously, it was bullshit, but to, to go that far with it to where they're drawing up contracts or saying it, and, and they said they'd uh, agree to it, I don't know if I if I kind of 
I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that one. I think they just went super far with the gag and, and the lie just to get the casual fan go, dude, this is they're they're gonna take each other's money, whoever wins and winner takes it all and all that, but I could see your point as far as like thinking, huh, the fact that you're even spending this much time on it, not just saying it and then letting it letting the casuals take it you know, keep going with it and going with it and get talking about we're drying up contracts. And yeah, I thought that was a little wild. And anybody that really believes that stuff, even if they did it, it's a bad idea. They, they take too much punishment. You never know what happens in your life. You never know what happens in the ring, yada, 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 all that stuff. That shit is ridiculous to even think of actually doing. So I think that's ridiculous. Um, but that's a good point. He's going to, to your second question, and I'll let you go, John, in a second. Um, that's a great point. Like, he's going to have to – I do like his mentality of saying, I, I want the rematch, but I know i got to stack wins to get there. And down the line, I want the rematch. So he's realistic. Now, at 140, you could say the top five, top six guys are not on the level of, of, of a Shakur and a Haney and a – in a Gervonta, I would say that, but it's still a pretty deep division with big punchers and all sorts of that. And um, so it's going to take a while. He's got to prove, like, they're just going to call him Victor Ortiz, dude, if, if he doesn't prove it soon in the next handful of fights. He's got to get right back out of that horse and show he can take it. But when the horse starts bucking again, he's got to be able to stay on that saddle because he's, you're right. I mean, it's going to take some time. And they, and I know, you know, I have a variety of Mexican-American and straight from Mexico, Ecuadorian friends and people I know, and people I work with and all that. So I do have conversations with them. And um, I'll be honest, like there is two people I know that are from Mexico and they say he's a white dude. You know what I mean? Like that's just what they – and if you look at him, if we just take – stuff out of there and just talk about it straight up stereotypically he does look like a white dude he does he's from california like he does um and 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 one of them was just like yeah dude he's a white dude to me you know and, and that's the mentality now mexican americans you know and i'm not saying every person that was born in mexico that lives here thinks that are in mexico but you're right man it took oscar de la Hoya forever to cross over with those folks and and some of them he never all the way did. Now, we do have to remember the Chavez Sr. beating he took, not, or not took, but delivered on the legend. I think that played into it, too. That proved some people, like even though, you know, Chavez is faded by that time. But it still proved, like, oh, man, maybe he is a tough dude. This is different. He's not a pretty boy. But they were also very mad at that, too, because that's their guy. You know, it's on some uh, Holmes Ali stuff. I'm not saying that Chavez was in the state of Ali when he went in that, you know, I mean, Ali shouldn't have been in that fight with Larry Holmes, obviously. Even here in Minnesota, the Mayo Clinic deemed him not capable of fight, or not capable, but he, he was unfit to fight in that fight. In that documentary, if anybody, you know, has missed that documentary, it's sad as shit, but you should go watch that documentary because uh, it, it's, it's very gripping. But anyway... Yeah, man, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to stack some wins and, and prove it. He, he's, he's definitely gonna have to prove it. And 
it's it's going to be an uphill climb. I'm going to go ahead to John and let him uh, answer that. The first one with the purse, you know, let's bet the purse on it. But they went really far with it about drawing up contracts and all that shit. And then obviously what he's going to have to prove to that, that uh, you know, fan base that's had so many guys, you know, and it's a short-term memory thing because even a guy, and I know he's not from Mexico, but even Duran quitting in the second fight, you know what I mean? Like, if this was Twitter now, Duran for like a year would be getting destroyed. But then he'd battle back, and then you know he'd have those other fights after that. And people are like, "Oh shit, I respect this guy again." So it's gonna, it's an uphill climb. Go ahead, John. Oh yeah, that's, that's exact, that was a good comparison, Chris, because I'm I'm, I'm about the biggest Duran fan of all time, and he he got this even in pre-social media, he got destroyed. For people forget that. Oh, he did because he got redemption he in got mainstream destroyed. media. He got destroyed for years after that. I mean, you know, people were taking him as a joke and, and all kinds of things. Um, you know, his diehard, some of his diehard fans came back when he came back. I remember that my, my father was one of them, but uh, a lot of them didn't for a while. But, yeah, good call getting back to the other point. Yeah, on the purse, I'm with you. You know, boxing is just too dangerous. I mean, you know, you're, you're literally risking your life in there. Uh, you're, you're taking – it's unfortunate, but – Heck, even if you're winning, I mean, you're, you know, you're taking brain damage. It's just true. You know, but your brain's getting jarred, and you've got, you know, these guys aren't, in that sense, getting compensated enough most of the time as it is, or most of the fighters. So, you really don't want to see anything where somebody's not going to get paid if they lose or not get paid significantly um, when it's a big fight. Um, but along the lines of, you know, what the caller was mentioning, you know. What I always worry too, when a, when a guy does that, yeah, you know, if, if it was a contract, obviously, you know, then, then it would be something that was going to be more enforceable. But you do have to watch it, you know, there, there would, where there could be an argument someday if somebody like this would be now tank in this case. But he obviously didn't in this case because of that. But, like, if there would be some instance where then tank – says, I detrimentally relied on what you said. The only reason I went through with this fight was because you said I was getting your purse if I won. Now, you know, in this case, we knew Tank was going to take the fight anyway long before that. So that wouldn't be a strong argument. But, you know, th- that's why you don't, to me, maybe it's the cautious lawyer part coming out, but you don't really want to be playing around like that. Like, it, it's kind of what you're getting to, too. You know, to the caller's point, he's looking into the mental part, and that's where we got to see with Ryan Garcia because I, I'm not going to dump on him too much just because of the way this fight ended. But I think you do have to look at all your your um, evidence, and I think that's what maybe the caller is getting at a little bit too, just some of the behavior. And, you know, we've got people saying that after the fact. But, you know, I am then looking back at Canelo talking about, you know, his his gym habits and, and – uh, things like that. Again, I'm not going to draw a conclusion, but we, that's why I said we might have to see where it goes forward. You know, are we going to see some other evidence that's maybe more legit where maybe Ryan Garcia, you know, we're, we're questioning his, in, within the boxing world, because all boxers take the risk, you know, questioning his fortitude within the boxing world. I mean, I'm not yet. Tank's too good, too big of a puncher. Um, we got, we got to see how it, how it plays out. Um, you know, again, on, on a smaller scale, but I think when this evidence comes in, and, it, and it's still not conclusive, but it, there's an, another piece came in, Chris, because 
this is the type of things we want to look at. We're going to be looking at the circumstantial evidence with Ryan Garcia and even Tank for how good he is. But look at Joey Spencer a few weeks ago where he got dominated by Ramos and everybody was saying, ah, he's a bum. I knew Spencer was a bum. Well, you know, then you had Mendoza who Ramos also dominated, not quite as bad as Spencer, but he dominated him. Fundora. And then what did we have then this week? Elijah Garcia, a 19-year-old top up-and-coming prospect who just blew away Vidal. You've got Salgado, who Spencer shut out, pushing Garcia. So, again, I'm not saying it's conclusive that Joey Spencer is right behind Jesus Ramos or anything, but there's circumstantial evidence where you still got to see before you say the guy's a bum. That's what I'm saying with Ryan Garcia. We got to see all the evidence come in before we start saying that hey, he's a quitter. And, you know, people all want to say that. And I probably can just kind of fall into the second question with that answering it because it fits. And I'm, I'm kind of laughing to myself because this is true of all ethnic groups um, anywhere from around the world, races, ethnic groups, where you want to say. I think they would have been waving Mexican flags if Ryan Garcia dropped tank with a hook in the, for, for a 10 count in the second round. That's the way all groups <laughs> all groups tend to be. And I know the point you're making with De La Hoya and the image of Garcia, but people are also front runners. You know, if, if Ryan Garcia would have unloaded on tank with a barrage in the second round and put tank down face first, I don't think there would have been a lot of people saying he's a real Mexican. Now, some of them would have, I agree, Chris, with your point and you know what the caller is getting at. And we saw that with De La Hoya. I know that point, but I'm just still saying people like winners. And the Duran example was excellent because who could have done more than Duran? The dude was 71 and one and a yeah. Hall of Famer when he beat Leonard the first time, 72 and one when he went into the rematch and he pulled a no boss. I agree with the Emmanuel Stewart theory to this day. Like I always say, boxing genius, he gave it as a quote in the one book of, about Duran. Um, Look, again, we could say this is illogical and, and everything, but it's just true when you look at how he fought up to that point and the way he liked to fight and what he thought a fight was, he thought it wasn't a fight because he wasn't that far behind in the fight either. That's the thing people forget. I mean, he wasn't out of it on the scorecards or anything, but to him, Leonard boloing and just staying on the outside, like it wasn't a fight. Now we know that's, you know, just a different way of boxing and things, but like he just like threw up his hands. Like this isn't a fight, you know, like, you know, that might have been like almost like the ultimate macho thing to him. Like, you know, this guy, this guy, does, it's crazy when you're getting paid $8 million in 1980 money. We know that. But, you know, this guy doesn't want to fight. I, I'm not going to be in here with this guy. He, he doesn't want to fight. I mean, you know, I, I think Emmanuel Stewart being the boxing genius, he, he put knowing Duran, you know, from watching him so many years. And his fighter, of course, Tommy Hearns fought him and had, had that big knockout over him. But, you know, I think he was right. So the point is, but Duran, you know, he was getting crucified after that for a long time. Um, yeah. You know, I, I just, I think, yeah, there are some people that, that do look at certain things. And it used to be more, and I've seen this progress too, with some Mexican and Mexican-American fans. It was the fighting style thing, but that's the first thing I saw evolve. Like, you know, I mean, even look at Canelo as a counterpuncher. I mean, yeah, the, the style and a lot of, credit, and I think rightfully so, I got to say. I mean, I think it was Beristain, I would call it an, an Americanized style. Like, 
you know, he started having him use some of the more traditional, your stereotyping, but you did see it. Yeah, Mexican Juan Ma, style. Marquez. Right, yep. right. But all those Juan guys, you know, he, he, right, he had those guys boxing as well. You could see that difference. You know, Barrera, you know, I mean, look at the way Barrera was boxing with Hamed when he pulled the shocking upset. Um, right. You saw style evolution. Like, you know, before that, you know, there was a point with, you know, some – Mexican, Mexican-American fans, like, where, you know, it, it wasn't even acceptable to, like, fight in a different style like that. So, you mm-hmm. know, we saw that evolve. So I, I've seen that extreme kind of go away. And then, again, this is just some things I see. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not really saying, you know, in the comment, but you just see it, like, you know, they'll, they'll be litmus tests for, you know, does the guy speak Spanish? Um you know, right, these types yeah, yeah. of things, you know, where was he, you know, where was he born? And so, you know, there, there's a lot of cultural things going on. And, and let's, this does add to it because even though he's the most popular fighter in the game, of course, now Tank with these pay-per-view numbers out today is, is going to make, want to start making his case. But with that understood, there's Mexican and Mexican-American fans who don't like Canelo. I mean, that he oh, yeah. doesn't fit certain, you know. He doesn't fit certain things. And it's I not mean, just for failing a drug test or something like that. You know no, I mean? no. He's not it, failing a drug different. test. I mean, he's, he's got right. red hair. You know, I mean, you know, there's. Right. And, and again, I'm not condoning. I'm just saying these are certain segments. I mean, you know, and, and in there. Mexico, yeah. too. It's not even just, it's even in Mexico. So there's, there's you know, there's it, you learn over time, too, when you study things enough, you, you can't. Even cult, one culture, one ethnic group, one race, everybody's not the same. You know, you you start learning. Oh yeah, a lot I mean, more just within the yeah. the white people, right? Sugar Ray Leonard and Marvin right. Hagler, two different guys, but they were on the different sides. Like when me and my grandfather watched that fight, he was on the far side of the room than me. You know, <laughs> we were completely yeah. away from each other. I was on the Sugar Ray Leonard side. He was on the Marvin Hagler, the the blue collar guy, the guy that had to get it out of the mud, the, the guy that really, you know, in his fighting style. Yeah. I've been hearing the whole, there wouldn't be a fight if it wasn't for the come forward fighter making the fight. It's like, well, they also had to agree to terms, sign a contract. They're in a ring with gloves on, so it still would have been a fight. But I know what you're saying, you know, or the old phone booth fight. And if you actually have been in a phone booth, you can't really throw that clean of punches in a phone booth. That's what's kind of funny about that tagline. But, yeah, no matter what we're talking about, it is that. I mean, it doesn't matter what culture. It may tweak a little bit here and there, but within that, you're always going to have that. And the come forward fighter is the majority of people. Now, when I say majority, I'm talking like uh, – in a merger, who owns the most of a corporation? I'm not talking 80 or 90%, but it's for sure over 50, you know, as far as the come forward fighter making the fight. And you can see that when it comes to scoring on average, the person making the fight usually gets the benefit of the doubt. But um, let's talk about the aftermath, the 1.2 million pay-per-view buys, the fifth largest gate of all time, 22.8, just short of 23 you know, midweek and late week, you know, the I thought for sure it's 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 easy gonna do five hundred thousand, right? And I was thinking I think it could do seven or eight hundred thousand and I was kinda lining it up 
once we heard about the gate number, then I was like, well, man, it's, it feels like it's going to do seven or 800,000 now for sure based off of Canelo plant and their gate number based off the, that first or the second technically Wilder Fury that did a big number. And I even heard Espinosa in a couple of interviews say, first and foremost, because these guys are in their 20s and they're still pretty young at this, I would be super happy with 400 or 500,000. I'd be delighted, he said. But he feels like now that we're here, that seven, 800,000, that Canelo plant number, which hasn't been topped since Canelo Triple uh, G2, that hasn't been over a million since then, um, they really, well, I mean, besides, you know, exhibition fights, you know, sure, Mayweather and Logan Paul, but that's different, though. But I'm talking about uh, non-exhibition. Um, you know, once he said, but, but then he said, so he feels like it can do 800,000, 800,000. And then he said, if it goes over that, if it goes a million, I would be shocked. Like, I would be head over heels, you know. And so I didn't, I thought, man, it could touch a million, but I'm not sure if it can get there. We'll see, blah, 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 blah. But now here we stand, 1.2 million pay-per-view buys at least. We got a number yesterday that was not shaky, but it was like, uh, I don't know. It was, you know, a former YouTuber that got hired on the zone, and so he would have information, but would he have the Showtime information? I don't know. It was just kind of – and then when you go to the his video where he said it, it was already on private. So I was like, well, maybe there's some facts there. We'll see. I don't know. Maybe they're trying to protect what he's saying because he can't announce it or whatever. And uh, But now that we have, like, legit people announcing this, I mean, this is just – it's amazing right now. It really is. I mean, to do that kind of number, anything over a million right now, and, and then you add that $85 to it, I mean, and I know that some of the sales are going to be 60 or whatever, no doubt. But, I mean, man, it is just a monster, monster pay-per-view. And like I said, what's next? So, John, let's talk about the business part out of the ring. And then what's next? Because if you look at it, um, you know, Isak Cruz rematch now is a big-ass fight. Cruz is getting a lot of attention. Um you know, and I'm talking about realistic, okay? I don't think realistically that Shakur Stevenson and him are going to fight this year or probably even next year. I'm just talking realistic stuff. Haney is going to be a, few, a free agent, whether he beats Loma or not. So if he were to beat Loma and sign a deal similar to what he just signed, maybe that's something there. But I'd say Isak Cruz or Frank Martin for the next two fights, obviously tank. His first opposition is going to be the court, right? He's going to have to figure that out. We'll see what happens from there. But I think he'll be able to more than likely fight later this year, whether it's September, November, or something like that. Um, and I'm thinking Isak Cruz is going to be who it is. I know a lot of people will be pissed at that for me even saying that. Um, I think Devin Haney is in his near future, especially if he's a free agent and willing to do what he just did with ESPN sign multi-fight deal and he's shown he is and now with these numbers even Crawford right now is like where's that contract now hold on hold on let me let me get to that contract and sign it because uh you know now people are going to be more I mean there's no debate the meat parts of the media to too bad it's uh, almost majority of the media would say well you got to go half and half or something or do a split pay-per-view with ESPN and all that 
you know, now it's like, all right, dude, we know he's the A side. There's no more debates. And it's like, get in line if you want this fight. Um, but overall, let's talk about the business of it. And then, like I said, realistic, Isak Cruz, Frank Martin, possibly Devin Haney, I would say, are in his future. And I'm talking about the next year or so. Yeah, well, that's first, because people always do wonder about this. And I'm with you, We, we and that that's why I retweeted it. I mean, and, you know, I'll go through again my logic for it, because um, I, I do think it's sound. You know, we, we've got Keith eyed it unboxing scene just a little bit ago reporting the 1.2 million now um keith you know always credible to me and plus you know he was a longtime newspaper writer for the bergen record in new jersey so and, and i just say that it doesn't mean there aren't people flawed but you know he, he goes back where you know, you're supposed to have some you know and i think he does you know some journalistic ethics and integrity in the reporting and then i think even above all that I've I got the Stephen Espinosa seal of approval on this within the last six months or so. You know, when when people were questioning some of these other figures that were coming out when somebody like Idick would put it out of the Showtime pay per views when it was one they put out and like as I pointed out, Chris, and they didn't deny this, like, you know, when they don't put it out, I mean, you know, it, it might not be that good. But the point is when they put it out, I mean it boxing scene is See, it actually kind of works in its favor. It is a, a CBS Viacom-owned thing, which is Showtime, but here's why it's in its favor. I know it's counterintuitive. Your first thought would be, oh, those guys are completely biased, you know. It's it, that Showtime themselves. Why, why wouldn't they puff it up? Well, this is the, the Stephen Espinosa, who is also a lawyer, tweet of approval. You know, I, I point out, but they can't, they can't, I don't want to say can't, people can do anything, but, you know, it's not a good idea to lie because you've got – those are publicly traded companies. You know what I mean? If a shareholder says, I bought a bunch of, you know, Viacom CBS stock because Boxing Scene kept putting out that Gervonta Davis was selling 1.2 million pay-per-views, and that turned out to be a lie, that's a suit. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's a shareholder suit. You know, you, you, can, you can get – sued for those kind of things you know the sec can can look into what you're doing and things like that so i think that's where that all matters you know for first like do we believe these numbers yes you know for me for for that rationale which i think sound you know if keith, when keith idick's putting out there that it did 1.2 million i think it did 1.2 million now that now a couple of years ago or maybe even more than a couple you know, in the boxing pay-per-view business, I would have thought maybe, you know, these younger guys like Ryan Garcia, Tank, who have these social media followings, they're both American-based, you know, maybe they get together for a fight, they do something like that. But the numbers I've seen lately, you know, when you had like, you know, Canelo Plant 860, um, Golovkin, uh, Canelo 2, you know, just about a million wilder, you know, Fury two, which was a after a good first fight, which was a heavily jointly promoted, you know, pay per view between ESPN and Showtime, you know, eight hundred fifty thousand. Then I'm thinking, I don't know what even with these younger guys, I don't know what the future for boxing pay per views 
are. And then I was to say last week, oh, you know, I, I don't know if I'm feeling enough buzz to get the numbers they need, but I didn't say that. I didn't tweet it because what I reminded myself is like, look, you know, my and this is where people kid themselves. Like, you know, my my feeling is not like my feeling is not like data coming from Atlanta or New York or Houston, you know, or El Paso or uh, Minneapolis or oh, even Oklahoma. You know what I mean? Like, you got to have data. So I'm like, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. You can tell yourself it doesn't mean anything. But let's see. And the reason I said to myself, let's see, is what we talked about on the show last week is Ryan Garcia. This is what I was thinking in its favor, and that's why I didn't say anything either way. I I didn't think it was going to do 1.2, but I didn't say anything negative either because I'm like, what we talked about last week when I went and checked it right before the show, I mean, Ryan Garcia, 9.6 million Instagram followers, tank 4.6. And this is the way – Marketing and salespeople start looking at this stuff. They, you know, they'll call them like conversions. And this is where I started seeing potential because you add those two follow, and, and it really does fit the number. You add those two followings together, okay? And that, then you say to yourself, okay, so that's like 13 million. So what's 10 percent? 1.3. You know, in other words, you know, you start saying, well, if one out of every 10 of their followers because you know, for the for the younger people, I mean, following the guy on Instagram, watching the reels all the time, that is like the old days of watching a guy on TV all the time or something. You know, older people tend to discount that. You can't. I mean, and and I watch it more myself than I used to. Those things are entertaining. I, I can see how some of the younger people do get into it. So late last week, I wasn't certainly wasn't predicting it, but then I did start thinking about those kind of things like conversion rates. I thought, well. With those two followings, a 10% conversion rate, I mean, that's, you know, you're, you're going over a million. I, I wasn't going to predict it on that because Garcia hadn't done a pay-per-view yet. Tank's numbers we weren't seeing a lot. But if I would had to say what happened, it was probably something along those lines. That's where you're getting, like, back to the old day, the modern equivalent of where a guy was getting a lot of TV exposure you know, all those followers, I mean, you know, there's people watching those guys every day, some of them. So um, I think all that coming together and then just a, a good intriguing fight of young undefeated fighters who have punching power, Americans, U.S. based. I think that stuff all matters too because, you know, it was debated in the late HBO days, and I think the conclusion was that it didn't work. You know, HBO kind of went with this thing in their latter stages like, you know, we we don't care if the guy's an American. If we think he's got talent, we're signing him, and you know we're going with him. And you know that that seems all well and good, but didn't exactly work out, did it? Um, this reminds me of why things like that didn't work out. I mean, it's the United States of America. Look, all countries do. We talk about ethnic base, racial, racial. You have nationals, and you have all kinds of things. I mean. You know, especially a, a, a casual fan who's not out there much, but maybe did come through the social media. I mean, look, you know, they they want to see American guys that they know, you know, that they that they care about. And look, another thing, the belts didn't mean shit. I got, I got to go, that you know, vehement on it. I mean, I mean, if this doesn't prove it, I don't know what does. Yeah, I don't want one more person to tell me we need alphabet belts in this thing. And then somebody's going to come at me and say, like, well, 
you care about like transnational doing, yeah, that, that's like a historical basis, and I'll continue to do that and think boxing for the history needs that. And in an ideal world, maybe people start looking at more stuff like that. But in the, in the meantime, the alphabets we don't need at all. They make things worse. What I'd like to see, we're going to talk. So maybe to to preface the aftermath. You know, I was thinking this this week, like this is a really now a good opportunity for PBC who initially, to their credit, didn't want to play ball with the alphabets. And I'm, I still think that was a good thing. I mean, they didn't do it for the first year. And then all these alphabet fans who wanted to attack PBC were like, how dare you ignore the alphabets? And, you know, you, you got to play ball with the alphabets and it's about the alphabets. Well, you know, Al Heyman's a smart man, you know. Stephen Espinosa is a smart man. You know, the fighters, hey, why give them money out of your purse? You know what I mean? Like, I'd be looking at this and saying, look, we didn't need this. I mean, we didn't need this. Let let the historians, you know, look at transnational or the ring, and, and we can even write about that. But we don't need these alphabet belts and to pay these guys for what? I mean, t- total total waste of, waste of money, waste of time. You don't need it for the marketing. So I think that could be a good thing to come out of this because – you know, like, look, again, if, if I'm Al Heyman, again, I'm not, but, like, maybe if I'm Stephen Espinosa and Al, Al Heyman, maybe I'm wishful thinking, but I'm looking at this and saying, what do we need WBA regular for? Tank didn't need WBA regular. I mean, Tank doesn't, you know, you know, it, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean squat. I mean, you know. I still think, that right, obviously, for the other, the, the other tier of fighters, it still means a lot as far as, you know, securing higher money because of, the, because of all that, but. Oh, your overall point, it really shows you. Now, I didn't hear one person say, what belt is uh, they fighting for? Yeah, but a lot of times, Chris, what I want to say, too, I I like to, for those people that make that argument, because I think there's a lot of ammo for it. For every deserving guy who makes more money because he's fighting for some alphabet belt, and we've seen this ad nauseum, I mean, there's, there's a totally undeserving, politically pushed chump who gets a payday who doesn't deserve it, over some fighter who's who's given his or her all out there. You know, That's a good point. A risk. Yeah. And, and so I always make that argument. For for every deserving fighter that gets a payday out of it, there's a totally undeserving, these chump mandatory challengers who get a big payday and fall down. You know, and, and we, we could just and go on. And they'll sit there and not fight anybody and take, or fight somebody and take step aside for three times like the dude with Charlo's right. doing. And yeah, that's a good point. Exactly. So I, I still, I, I just, I don't, I don't think, I don't think we need it at all. So, you know, you, you can make your name through a good fight, people wanting to see you. And then, you know, for the historical part, if there could be a, re- like, like, you know, there is the problem with the ring zone by a promoter. So, you know, you, you know, the, the, if they keep the independence, but then you have transnational, you have to have no conflict. So the point is, like, I do think uh, boxing is a historical sport. That's important. But the alphabets have nothing to do with that. I mean, this, this four-belt era talk and all this kind of nonsense, is, it just hurts the sport. Let's get rid of that. I, I hope I hope the powers involved in this use this as a springboard to get rid of that stuff. Um, and you and I have been saying this for a while. Others aren't. I, I'm with you 100%. I mean, look, we even talked about the way some Mexican and Mexican-American fans are looking at this one. And Tank was very complimentary after this fight of Isak Cruz. So, you know, I was kind of surprised. I did take note of it. I mean, 
yeah, you might fight him again, but I think he was sincere about it. You know, Tank was talking in the last couple of days about how tough Cruz was. So, I mean, that's a sell. I mean, that's a sell now. I'm with you. I think that happens next. I think the last I looked at it, you know, I do think Tank probably is going to be going to jail for some time on this thing coming up next month. Um, but like you said, it's not going to be yeah, a some sort of time thing. He's going to be sat down somehow or some way, that's for sure. Yeah, he is. And, but it's not it, It's not going to be something where it's there's going to be a length. Yeah, it's, it's right. It's not going to be something over some length of time that's going to be a. It might do him some good, John. It might do him some yeah, good, I'm, too. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a funny timing after this moment, but um, – yeah, I mean, I, I can just speculate what happened with that incident, where this stemmed from. I've mentioned that before, um, but you know, now he's got he's gonna ha- he's gonna have to deal with it. He's gonna have to pay for it, and then then literally because you know somebody did get injured. That's the civil part of it, not the criminal. So, you know, the criminal. Um, yeah, he's gonna take a little time, but it's not gonna be because you know this is stuff I do know. Yeah, it's it's not gonna be. He, he'd be, you know, it, it's probably not even the type of thing, except for you don't want to be there. That's really going to throw off his fight schedule a real lot or anything like that. With, you know, the amount of times guys fight nowadays, usually you know twice a year max. So, um, I think we agree. I mean, I think Cruz will be next. I would think it's. I mean, Cruz is kind of a likable. You know, he is a likable character too. I mean, he already gave Tank a tough fight. It's strange you wouldn't think he'd be the guy that, that gave him the tough fight, but something was styled sometimes. So uh, I think it sells. I, I think that's probably next in itself. I think Haney's going to beat Lomachenko. And then I would think top rank would look at something like the way this just paid out and say, why should we wait? Let's, let's see if we can put Haney and Stevenson in next, you know, right after the Loma-Haney. Uh, um, and then I agree with you. Like that, then you would maybe look at the winner of that with a tank blockbuster. But you're right; that probably puts tank even with the legal difficult. Well, maybe with the legal difficulties, it doesn't. I mean, it, it, it frankly, it, it could be then just cruise, and then the blockbuster for whoever comes out of right next year. And Haney, if that happens, yeah, uh, you know, then they have Frank Martin available, but. And, and I think Tank, you know, people have doubted it. And, and I was even thinking he might have trouble with Orion Garcia. But with the, with the result he just got, I mean, Tank is, even though he's only five five and a half or so, I mean, with his power, you know, especially as he's 28 now, I mean, he, he's positioned to move up in weight. So, and I'm talking like up to Welter. So, you know, he's going to probably pick a spot who he fights there. But uh, I think that is in the future. Uh, especially after a performance like this, but you've got the big lightweight fights, even if it's a crossover. I mean, but but this Cruz rematch could end up being pretty darn big. So um, you got Cruz, then you know maybe a, a winner of Steve, I mean a winner of Stevenson Haney at that point. Think of how big that would be with Tank, um, massive fight. So that is really where this would would kind of kind of appear to be going. I mean, if PBC wants to keep it in-house, I mean, they can go cruise and then move them up. I mean, you know, I've always thought, even though he's going to just fight at Walter Wade, excuse me, junior middle, he's part-time. I mean, Keith Thurman's only 5'7", and he's at the end. I mean, I would think he'd be a tank KO victim at this point, even at Walter Wade. You know, no disrespect to Keith Thurman, but, you know, he's had a lot of exposure for this era, so 
you know, PBC could, you know, if they look at the in-house options, we've got to think of, well, where would it go, you know? So, um, you know, that'll be interesting for Ryan Garcia. Um, it's going to be a, a pretty tough rebuild, even though it's on other sides of the street. I saw Matthew Aguilar suggest it, pretty good suggestion, even with different promoters. I mean, I would say, you know, if Tio Lopez, even if he loses to Taylor, I mean, him and Ryan Garcia at 140, that's a pretty big – I think that's a pretty big selling fight still. Um, yeah. And winnable for both. So it could make sense because who, who's really golden boy going to have for him? You know, I mean, you know, they crossed over here. Yeah, and, William know, Zapata or something. Yeah, William Zapata. You know, when you look at who they've got, I mean, you know, you want to talk about losers. And, and look, I'm not going to criticize Oscar and um, – Golden Boy for taking the shot. I'm not after the, the fight was huge. Garcia got a lot of exposure. It's still a win in that sense. But I did think about that the next morning too. Is you know to me, Golden Boy's three guys left to carry him were Munguia, who hasn't been doing anything lately, um, Virgil Ortiz, who's got health problems and you know has had to pull out of two fights uh, in recent years, and then Ryan Garcia, who just got knocked out by Tank. And, and, you know, not a great performance. You know, he could rebound, but wasn't a great performance. So, Golden Boys, in a, they're in a tough spot right now. I mean, they're probably they something we've been before, but they're really in a tough spot right now. So, uh, they're going to have to get somewhat creative with what they do. I hope they play them. ball, too, instead of just worrying, trying to get the certain, you know, certain, like, fight-by-fight, event-by-fight event basis on the zone. I hope they're willing to play ball more. They may have to be. Um, because they, they could make some pretty good fights, you know. Yeah, I think that's what it's coming to, and that might be good for the fans, as I agree. I would yeah. say when you look at, look at them, they're probably – they did it here, so they crossed the Rubicon um, on a huge right. fight. They're probably going to have to play ball with those guys. I mean, you know, I think they're going to – because, look – Even Ortiz Stanoni is, you know, that that's playing ball. Obviously, a lot of it had to do with, you know – the right. belts or whatever, but the still, it's still, you know, not, they didn't, it, it wasn't ducked by either side. Right. And, and you know, you look way down the line, yeah, like Crawford's going to, you know, he's getting older. I mean, Spence is getting older, but he, he might move up and wait. I'm not saying Crawford wouldn't, but yeah, that, that's another thing out there. Like, you know, depending on who Crawford aligns himself with, I mean, you know, if Tank's still moving up, knocking out guys and Tank's only 28, I mean, Terrence Crawford started out as a lightweight, I mean, why? I, again, it would want, it would be. Does it make sense for PBC and Tank? But like, why would Tank? You know, think at the point where it would happen. Like, why would Tank be afraid of like an older Terrence Crawford at that stage? You know, I mean, if it was a big selling fight, he he he, he might not. I, I don't think he would be. So, um, this is way down the road. I think first it's Cruz. And then I would think top rank and Aram, if Haney wins, are going to want to get right to him and Stevenson if they can do it. And then that would that would leave a monstrous, monstrous. And they don't have an extension with him in place, uh, Haney. And one-sidedly, Bill Haney said that they'd be. Do you want to put an extension in there for the Shakur Stevenson? And they declined. Now that's a one-sided angle. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, but but Bill Haney did say that they actually were trying to. Now that's what he said. I don't know if that's correct. Um, but yeah, I, I do think I, I do have to cut it short because I gotta go to work and whatnot. But any final uh, 
words to put a, a bow on this year, John? Yeah, just really, really quick because I did catch that on the card. Yeah, Morrell is going to take a lot of money. Fighters will fight other fighters. They're not afraid, but it's, it's going to take a lot of money to get anybody in with David Morrell. I'm going to say that. And then uh, Elijah Garcia, another win. He's only 19, turned 20 today. I thought he should jump into the top 10. Um, then Shirkazian won. Got some great rounds, solid. too. Got great rounds yeah. for his level where he's at. Right, but but Shirkazian won. Uh, I, I did nominate him for the top 10 in transnational. Again, this time it was approved. Um, so, you know, he's he's a guy that PBC Another, another prospect turned contender that can, and, you know, make big fights down the line. Right, and Milnicki showed some good power. You know, he, he, he does have a good jab in right hand. We, I keep talking about the variety with him. Still not variety, but his, his jab and right hand has always been good. So, you know, he, he, did, he did get a pretty good knockout uh, with the jab and the right hand. So, um, you know, he, he's, still, he's still moving along, but that's all. I'll, I'll let, you, let you get going, Chris. Uh, good to be here as always. And, of course, uh, was definitely a big weekend. And I, that $1.2 million number, uh, kind of a shocker uh, in this era. Yeah, man. So, it's going to be a lot to talk about going on from here. Sounds good. You have a good day. Take it easy. You too, Chris. Take care. Yep. All right. Um, I did want to just really quick go through Cordinia Rakamov. Uh, I gave Cordinia the first two rounds. Obviously, uh, he came out, you know, boxing real sharp. Uppercats, left hooks, lead right hands. Uh, Rakamov Bell landed a really big right hand. Then, um, give and take early, jab left hand maybe with like a minute, 50 seconds left of that second round, scored a knockdown. Um, Rakamov did have like, you know, some nice hooks to the head and body. Once again, I have this note, stay the fuck out of the camera frame, referee. That dude's always so bad at it. I'm not saying it's easy as a ref, but golly. Then I gave the, the third, fourth, and fifth. I favored Rakamov in those, uh, at least two out of those three. The, the fourth was a two-way round, I thought, more consistent um, stuff from Rockamop. But they were close. They were close. Huge right hand with like a minute left, late uppercuts. Maybe that uh, that fifth round, Cordina stole it with that late uppercut. That could be. Then the sixth, seventh, and eighth for sure, even though there was plenty of two-way stuff. Um, and, and you could see Rockamop's eye was cut and swelling rapidly. Uh, the short left hooks, the right hands. The jab right hands, using the angles, was Cordina really flashing his style. I gave him the ninth as well, the jab in right hand or lead right hands. Rakamov could have maybe won the uh, the 10th round. I gave him the 11th. Uh, still boxing on the move was Cordina. The aggress- maybe the aggressiveness and some of that body work. Added up enough for Rockamop in the 10th round. Gave him the 11th, though. I thought he was landing the more efficient, effective uh, work. Um, Cordinia had moments, but I thought he wasn't landing as flush. And then flush, uppercuts, hooks to close. Just uh, sharp, flush, hard pot shots, too, for the in the 12th. So I was 7 to 5, 115, 112 for Cordinia, uh, 114, 113, 115, 112. And then this 116-111, what the fuck was that? Great fight. I, I don't think it's a huge debate that that's the fight of the year, but it, it's 
you can at least argue it, that's for sure. I think it is probably. Um, great fight, great showing. Rakamov can come back strong. Cordinia has a lot of fights that he could be made, and Eddie Hearn did say he's interested in unification. So we'll either be back Monday or Tuesday um, with some stuff. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll hit up news and stuff. This was just kind of a shortened reaction to it. I got to do what I got to do. Enjoy the weekend um, and uh, great fight weekend just in general. Anyway, I'm going to get out of here. Uh, peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe that you feel you have the upper hand. So now, when, as you fight, let's say you fight four or five years of straight survival, the bullshit, the whole bag, and when you become the world champion, you're like, you know what, I made it. I'm going to show you.